Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Happy Easter morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We will be sharing our scripture this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Please be attentive to the reading of the word of the Lord. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some of you may have heard of Reverend Adam Hamilton, a widely known pastor in the United Methodist Church. He's written lots of books and Bible studies. He's given seminars and teaches other up-and-coming pastors. He is a denominational leader for sure. The name of the church he leads is the Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas. They have additional campuses in campus in Kansas City, Olathe, and Blue Springs. In 2017, they had an average attendance of over 11,000. So as you can guess, they are one, if not the biggest congregation in the United Methodist Church anywhere. What most of you may not know is how this church got started, which is really part of how they got their name. This church was launched in 1990 with the idea of reaching thinking people who were not actively involved in church to help them see how the Christian faith could change their lives and how they, in turn, could change their community and the world, which is a quotation from their website. It began in a funeral home. That's how they got their name. You know, resurrection, rising from the dead. Well, indeed they did. They quickly grew beyond that funeral home, then a school, and eventually had to build one building, then another, and then more. And Reverend Hamilton is always quick to say, like Paul, that it was the grace of God that was at work. And thank God that grace is still working today. Or is it? How do we know it's true? 
Can we recognize grace when we see it? Is grace only about success stories and things going right? Is there grace when things are going well wrong? What is this grace all about anyway? Do we really need it? And if all we need is grace, then what does that mean for us? Do we have to do anything at all? All good questions. And I'm sure you can probably think of a couple more. Grace. Much has been written about the grace of God, but we can't even begin to understand it unless we have a solid definition of what it is. And grace is the unconditional love of God given to us without cost. So, in other words, grace is very one-sided. God gives, we receive. It has also been defined as being given what we don't deserve. The gift we are given is love, and we are given this gift not just unconditionally, but when we deserve the opposite. A good example to help us understand that part of the story that we he- is the story we hear about the naughty and nice list at Christmas. Good little girls and boys get presents. Bad ones get a stocking full of coal. How we behave influences what the world says we deserve. If we're good, we deserve gifts. If not, we deserve coal. But with grace, no matter what we do, how we behave, even if in the world's eyes we deserve a bag of coal, God puts us all on the same list. We all get the gift of God's love, no matter what. That's grace. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that every human being, past, present, and future, has been given God's grace. How do we know? That's what Easter is all about. Now, I hear from so many people who have read or heard some of the Old Testament that God is a God of wrath and judgment, that all God does is smite you when you've messed up or, in the terms of our faith, sinned. They couldn't believe in a God like that, so they want nothing to do with that kind of God. And I'll hear others talk about the God of the New Testament being so very different from the God of the Old Testament, and the God of the Old Testament being a punishing God, so judgmental and vengeful, but the God of the New Testament being so loving and caring and full of, shall I say it, grace and mercy. But it's hard to reconcile that line of thought with Malachi 3, 6, when God says, I, the Lord, do not change. And Hebrews 13, 8, when it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And since we believe Jesus is God, we can't say there are two different and distinct gods, one of the Old Testament and one of the New, or even one that behaves very differently before Jesus and then after Christ comes. So if we believe God is a God of grace, then we, in essence, must believe that this same grace-filled God is present in the same way throughout time. So how do we reconcile our thoughts about God and grace? How does God reveal this grace, even when it appears that God is a God of judgment? How can we know that grace abounds, that God is a loving God, even when life seems to be full of darkness 
and struggles which on the surface don't appear very loving at all. I mean, come on, isn't that the big question we ask most often? How can a loving God allow all this terrible stuff to happen? Is the God of the pandemic, of terrible natural disasters, the God that just watches while people are sold into slavery or killed for the color of their skin, the God that allows children to starve, really a God of grace? Isn't that the real question? And the answer is a resounding yes. And on this day, resurrection morning, we see that grace in full glory and are able to tell the story of God's amazing grace. And as a preacher, I have the awesome privilege to share it one more time. So let's tell the story of God's grace we receive through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. See, our Bible, which we call the Word of God, begins with the creation of all there is. We believe in a Trinitarian God, one God in three persons, Father or Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit. All that has been created was created by God, all, including Jesus, as one. For God's final creation and crowning glory, humankind. This is the first revelation of the grace of God. Unconditional love poured out as our God created us out of love, for love, and there was nothing we did to deserve it. It was done solely out of the love of God before we even existed. God's grace made real for us and in us. In creating us, God gave us another gift of grace, which we call free will, the ability to make choices for ourselves, to think and act, but most importantly, to love according to our own free will. And if you think about it, if we were forced or created to love without making that decision for ourselves, it wouldn't be real love. It would be enslavement. We didn't deserve that grace either, but God gave it anyway. And we used that free will to disobey the one rule God had given us, which was for our own benefit, mind you, but it didn't matter. We were free to choose, and we chose to go the wrong way. We call that the original sin, and it set the path for us as human beings. Even today, we find it a struggle to do the right thing in all situations, that original wrong choice, the original sin, is something that still plagues us. If you don't believe me, look around and see the effects of all that sin. We don't even realize sometimes how wrong the choices we make truly are. And I've even heard people gloating over being rebellious, how they mistreat someone or break some rule. But even... As human beings chose to sin, God poured out grace upon grace, giving life instead of death to those first sinners, and instead of erasing us from the face of the earth, 
He has stayed, God has stayed the course, walking with us through every struggle brought upon us by the sins of the world. Grace has allowed us to continue to make our own choices, no matter how terrible the consequences, and has loved us through it all. The grace of God is especially seen in that Old Testament as God calls Abraham for no apparent reason, so again not deserved in any way, to become the father of a new nation of people, people who would be shaped and led to become the kind of people God had created in the first place, people of love, love for God and love for other human beings. Love for the creation they lived in and looked after. God takes these people who continue to make bad choices at times and leads them through the struggles, never leaving them alone. Again and again, they make choices that are not loving to God or to anyone, including themselves. Yet God, in his grace, never stops loving them and is steadily making a way for the love in their souls to be fully restored, a love that gives life without end. Abraham becomes the vessel to turn our hearts away from sin and its consequences and to love God through our own free will once again. And this grace of God is calling us back into a right relationship with him, a relationship of giving and receiving love. We call it prevenient grace, the grace that comes before we even know anything about God at all, a grace that calls us home, a grace that we have not done anything to earn or deserve. See, if you really read and study the Old Testament, you will see God's prevenient grace at work all over the place. We see kings that stumble and God forgives and restores. We see hard-hearted people who cry out to God for help and God answers every time, rescuing them from their captivity and their struggles. We see people who have nothing, given everything, so they can share God's love in tangible ways. Grace abounds even in the midst of what seems like death and destruction. But all of it is preparing the way for God's ultimate act of grace, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All those stories in the Old Testament are Jesus' history, the story of how Jesus came into the world and who his people were, who our people are, the stories that shaped how he interacted with the world and the people he encountered. Everything in the Old Testament is leading us to the story of God's amazing grace we find in Jesus Christ, God made flesh, God who came to earth to walk among us, to let us see that we don't have to make those bad choices, that there is another way, a way of love. And John 1 puts it so beautifully what has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. See, sin has made this world a dark place. 
It continues to be a world full of hate and division, death and destruction, illness and abuse of all kinds. Sin is our choice, not God's. And we may feel that we are somehow compelled to make those wrong choices, to break those rules, rebel against what others want us to do, to take those pills, drink or smoke that, whatever it is, and we would be right to a point. There is a power that sin has over us, and it whispers in our ears that it doesn't matter if we love God. It doesn't make a difference if we love the people around us. We're better off doing things in a way that makes us feel good instead of worrying about how it makes someone else feel. But God knows this is not who we are, not who we were created to be. And his great love for us doesn't want to let us suffer for those wrong choices, for our decision to break the rules or to be hateful or unloving to others or even to the planet. The wages of sin is death, but God wants us to live, living in God's love, God's perfect and healing love forever. As we have watched events unfold once again this holiest of weeks, we see the love of God, God's eternal and passionate desire for our good in full view. Jesus, God who came to us in person, living as one of us, sent to show us what real love looks like, hoping beyond all hope that we would see his example and make the choice to love. Sin does have a hold on us, whether we like to admit it or not. Our free will is only free when we make our choices in the power of the love of God. In showing us the ugliness and darkness of sin, out of his great love for us, he took every bit of it to the cross, dying for every one of us. We are still sinners. We didn't deserve that kind of love. That's why it's called grace. Yet Jesus died for us anyway to give us back the freedom to choose. And we can choose life simply by choosing love. At the moment of his death, the power of sin to guide our actions and influence our decisions was broken. The only thing sin gives us is death. When we grab hold of our faith in Christ, when we proclaim Jesus as the Savior of the world, we are no longer slaves to sin. Easter morning tells the story. I listened to a podcast called Monday Morning Preacher, and a couple of weeks ago, they were interviewing Bishop Timothy Clark, the senior pastor of First Church of God in Ohio. He mentors a lot of younger pastors, and he said he gets asked every year at Easter, Bishop, how many ways can you say he got up? Meaning Jesus rose from the dead. And I loved his answer. There's only one way you need to say it, and it says it all. He got up. He rose from the dead. This is God's amazing grace, and this is the story that needs to be told. Dying 
On the cross gave us freedom from sin, but rising from the dead gave us life. Yes, there will still be sin in the world, and we will have to suffer the consequences. Yes, there will still be death and loss and struggle, but Christ is risen from the dead. This is amazing grace. We have victory over sin, victory over death, and nothing that this world throws at us will conquer that empty tomb. Light in the darkness, life rising out of death, love that knows no end, no conditions. We only have to say yes to receive it. It is for you. It is for me. Love that knows no ends. It is for the person down the street that says mean things to you. It is for the person who has stolen everything you hold dear. It is for the people who don't agree with you. It is for those who love you and care for you. God's grace is for everyone. And if you don't believe it, then look to the east every morning. God's mercies are new every morning. And the sun rises every morning. We all have the grace for a new day, one day at a time. It is up to us how we will live and love in the days ahead. Will we receive the grace of God, the love of Christ given to us that Good Friday and Easter morning? Or will we continue to let sin And our unloving choices make this world a darker place to live. Each day is a gift. Each new day is a gift. That's why we call it the present. God's grace, his unconditional love given in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is for you. It is for me. It's for the world. It is this day witnessed by so many that makes it possible for us to walk out of our graves when we find ourselves in the funeral homes of our lives, the pits of death and despair. We can rise up in the resurrection power of Easter morning through the amazing grace of God. When we find life a struggle, just repeat after me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Then let the love of God fill you with strength and courage, peace and joy, hope for each new day. Walk in the grace of God. Embrace your faith in the only one who can give you eternal life. Live the life you were created to live that is revealed on Easter morning. Live in the grace of each new day. Live in the love of Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.